Hi, this is Natasha Gornick, and you're listening to the Massacast. This podcast is for adults only. Hello, and thanks for downloading yet another podcast. Um, this episode was, I was hoping to try to go every month and a half for episodes now. Uh, but obviously, as you can look at the schedule, that didn't happen. Um, it's been just super, I've never been so busy in my life. I've never had such a stronger, uh, <laughs> I've never had such a harder work week, I guess you could say. I've been getting, what, four or five hours of sleep every night. And, but a lot of people have asked, so what can you do to help? And uh, to be quite frank, this wouldn't be the case if we had universal health care. I wouldn't have to work two jobs. So here's what I would suggest. And he won't, I don't know why he doesn't. He and, he and I have talked about this. He could make, Bernie Sanders could make more Massacast episodes part of his platform. For some reason, he has no interest in it. He also mispronounces Massacast. But, you know, it's, it's, it's I still love the guy. Anyway, um, yeah, just working. We've been working like crazy. I will say I have some great episodes coming down the pipeline. We've got some really great interviews coming. Uh, it's just going to come down to when I can get around to editing them and then getting the okay by the person I've interviewed. And it's a lot of nerd stuff that you really don't need to know about. So that being said, uh, this episode, uh, Troy Orleans is back. I haven't been able to see her in a very long time. So it was good to sit down with her, catch up. And uh, a lot of people really love hearing from her. And uh, I know I do. So here he is. Another conversation with Troy. But you actually you took a break. I a yeah, I took a break. I was going to say you say that every year you think, oh, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna quit, I'm gonna stop, and right. you know, and um, and I was gonna say yeah, I think a lot of dominatrices have that same have right. that same feeling. And so what what was the genesis of you taking a sabbatical? Well, it it was a few things. Um, the biggest one was pure real estate. Um, the place that was home to Salandrelines um had gotten bought and um and I and the new owners just wanted to clear out the building because they were going to tear it down to build up a brand new skyscraper, which is what is happening all over the city these yeah. days. Um and so so I was told I think in April twenty twelve that I needed to move out, but I was able to negotiate and say, okay, well, you know, yes, I will leave, but can I be the last to go? Yeah. So I'd been given another, you know, I was given a couple of different, like, okay, we have to be out by this date. And I, finally they said, okay, no, you're really going to be have to have to be out by November, 2013. And I said, okay. And I didn't want to move or go apartment hunting or anything like that in the middle of winter in New York city. That just sounded horrible. And I have so much gear and so much equipment that just all that sounded terrible. So I thought, well, you know what? I'll just close the space, put all my stuff in storage. And maybe this is time for me to, I've been doing this for, you know, at that point, I guess it had been like eight or nine years, mm -hmm. nine years in 2013. Um, so I said, you know, I've been doing this for, for almost 10 years and maybe it's time for me to look for something else. Maybe right. this is what the universe is telling me. So I'll put my stuff away and we'll see what happens. I mean, if you're going to do it, that's the time to do it, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. Sure. Like, <laughs> or move. Yeah. Who wants to do that? Right. So I said, all right, well, that's, that's it. And then as it turned out, um, 
I didn't have to move, but I was already so set on taking that break that I just said, you know what, I'm going to take some time off. So what the landlord called and said, well, you know what, turns out that's not your last day or what happened? <laughs> it's just a lot of... Con- yeah, it was just... just- Red tape, yeah. I mean, just like weird bureaucracy. There were some rent-stabilized tenants in the building that they couldn't get rid of. Of And so if they couldn't get rid of them, there was no reason for me to leave and so on and so forth. So I – but I said, you know what? I I had some other projects that I was working on and it just seemed like a great time to explore some other things. So I did. It was awesome. It was really great to take a break. It was actually kind of – I very deliberately made it a kink-free sabbatical. So – I didn't look at email. I didn't look at FetLife or kinky porn or anything like that. Um, I really just wanted to take some time and get all the kink out of my head just to see what it was that came in unbidden, you know, that like. Yeah, it's different for someone who's doing it for a job and, you know, or living it every day, I should say, as opposed to someone who's either a weekend warrior or. Right. Well, it's it's like that's sort of the feeling that I have about fetish parties often. It's like I don't really need to go to them or people ask me like, oh, well, do you look at BDSM porn or do you? I look at BDSM porn for inspiration, Mm -hmm. but I don't look at it to get off because when I'm thinking about kink, it's usually because I'm doing it. And to go to a fetish party so that I can play it's like i get to play every day and i think i made the analogy in my sort of farewell post on my blog that for me kink has been like being on an endless cruise ship with a huge buffet of kinky food to eat every day and so if you ask me what i'm hungry for i have no idea because all i do is feed right and so i wanted to actually be hungry and so that's what I did. Back to the porn thing. <laughs> I, 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 I find that uh, before I actually experienced like kink and kinky sex, it was different from watching porn before you know, the pre-kink or the pre, pre-experience was a real turn on. It was a real big thing, right? Whereas... Afterwards, everything seemed phony and not even close to the real thing. And I don't know why, but afterwards, you just couldn't get into it, right? I'm so um, glad to hear you say that. Well, but at the same time, that's not the same with sex porn, right? Whereas if, you know, it's just regular vanilla porn, because you can still enjoy that, right? And I don't know why I that do. is. I don't know why that is. <laughs> but, you know, you're not, oh, after you have, after you lose your virginity, you're like... This is just so because I suppose because you can still maybe there is some porn out there, kink porn that actually does when you watch it, you actually do feel like, oh, this is this is the real thing. This is not some contrived, you know. Well, if that's true, I haven't seen most of much of it. I know I really like to look at um, Lexi Sindel's Vicious Women. I, I'll, I'll look at her clips and trailers and things like that. And I think that there's just something that's very... You know, one of the things I love about Lexi's clips is that she totally gives... Unlike something like kink.com, which I feel often is... You know, they've gone way more into the sex with kink right. thing... Lexi is able 
like that woman knows how to give a dominant hand job. That is not, (laughs) it is not a, uh, like, I, I just never doubt. I don't know what she's doing. I think that, I think what she does, it's, it's creative and there's, yes, there's that sexual element in there, but, but she fucks guys up and, (laughs) and that like, I just applaud that. So I will watch that, but I'll tend to watch kinky porn as foreplay. And then I'll watch just straight up regular sex, sex porn, (laughs) sex, sex porn. That's your main course. Yeah. That's, that's my main course. I mean, really I'm more of a reader than a viewer, but well, the you make an interesting point about kink.com because kink.com used to be that used to be the place that I would yeah, go to. For well, that and also they, you, they, I mean, I remember when they, their thing was just they'd have a woman tied up in a living room or something, right? And maybe they'd, uh, you know, put a vibrator on her or something, but that would be like that would be it. And I think maybe because at the time there was some sort of law that said you couldn't have sex with someone while they were bound on camera or something or whatever. Um, and then, and then that changed. I don't know if they just decided to say, fuck it, we're going to do it. But clearly, I mean, they're almost every single time you go on kink.com, which I haven't gone in a while. So maybe they've changed this, but it's always, it's always someone who's a porn star mm-hmm. as opposed to used to be not the porn stars can't be enjoying, you know, you can't enjoy being right. but Originally, it was, oh, these are kink performers. These are people who, this is what they do. They're into kink, and this yeah, is why this they... this is their sex. Right, right, right. Whereas now, it's like, it doesn't seem to be... The interest in kink seems to be secondary, I guess. Right. Does that make sense? I mean, I don't want to diminish. It, I'm sure there's someone out there who is totally... It does. I mean, well, and, and, and that's actually one of my challenges as a dom who mostly practices bondage. Um you know, bondage doesn't often make for great video right? because, oh, look, he's tied up. Right. He's still tied up. Right. right. He's right. really... Still not moving. He's still not going anywhere. Is this a picture or is this a movie? <laughs> so, so it doesn't make for good, it doesn't make for good porn and, or good visuals, I guess, at least, unless that is your thing. Yeah. And I certainly have seen... You know, there are times that I can look at certain kinds of riggings and it's it's their depictions and scenes that don't have a lot of sound to them. Or if they do, the sound is very mechanical. It's, you know, pumps going and 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 breather bags and Mm -hmm. and like respirating things and um, visual stuff. Well, it, it's more, I wouldn't even say it's visual so much as auditory, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just this, like the <sighs> of, of different respirator things yeah. or the, um, you know, or, or the pump of a Venus 2000 or some kind of a milking machine or just the, the creak and crackle of leather or latex as the person struggles in their bonds. Yeah. Um, and that stuff, like that to me is very sexy. I like to see it. And I particularly like to see like what people do to people who are fully immobilized and bound. Because, you know, sometimes you see these great riggings or these great positions, but you kinda look at it and you go, All right, so so then what? <laughs> What's right. next? Right. Um Well I know there's uh, I was talking to a dominant 
She she's really into rope, and she pretty much only plays with women, as far as I know. I won't use her name because I don't want to make any assumptions. But um, she said her the biggest problem that she has is in porn they don't show the twenty minutes it took to get that person into position. Right. And so when she plays with someone, especially for the first time. <laughs> They're like, well, what the hell? This is really slow, you know, because right. the, the lights go on, <laughs> camera rolling, and they're already tied up. Or in, in you know, cut scene, they're in a completely different position that took an hour to get in, you know, or whatever. Right. And it's and it's not only that, because I actually can rig, rig rope pretty quickly, you know, for a lot of stuff. Sure. But then there's the, okay, so you rig someone in this really dramatic suspension, for example. And what you don't see in the porn is that the person is only in that position for 30 seconds, yeah. two minutes, maybe. And when you have an hour of time or two hours of time or three hours or five hours um, with someone, it's, you know, and, and particularly for me when I'm rigging almost... You know, 99% of the people that I rig are men who are not nearly as flexible as these nubile, mm, lithe, listen, right. mm, young things who are um, in the videos. It becomes, it becomes, you know, everybody's, oh, my hip. Right. Oh, right. oh, it's kind of pressing into my chest bone a little. <laughs> right. Oh. They don't show that on the video. They do right? not show that on the video. Well, also, these, these extremely, fairly athletic models are usually, like, when they pause for a second, someone usually is coming out to lift them up to take the pressure off. Exactly. You know. Exactly. Yeah, it's, but, well, I mean, but that's the thing about the videos. I mean, I know some women who, some excellent doms who specialize in corporal, for example, you know, or, or sadism of different kinds. And they really struggle because of the proliferation of sadistic videos. Yeah. And so they have guys who come to them and say, like, I want to, I want you to kick me in the balls as hard as you can. Right. And it's like, no, actually, you don't right. want that, especially if you've never done that before. Yeah. And so, I mean, a lot of my job, um, you know, even as a as a bondage top and and a and, and enthusiast, a lot of my job is just managing somebody's expectations. Yeah. I mean, I, I played with somebody the other day who's been doing self bondage since he was five years old, and he had to kind of tap out, 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 out of rigging that I'd done with him, where he was just he was lying flat on his back. Um, there was a I believe there was, he was in a, um, a Zentai suit. And on top of that was a layer of saran wrap. He was very tightly wrapped. And then on top of that were bondage, no, not even bondage belts. On top of that was duct tape, um, vinyl duct tape, actually, which is a new thing that he brought to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. <laughs> um, so, so that's all that he was in, but he got a little overheated and he was, he at one point said, I think I need to come out now. (laughs) (laughs) And he, and you know, I didn't let him out right then because, you know, they say it's not really bondage until five minutes after you want to get out. (laughs) Um, but once I did let him out, he said, you know, I never believed that there could be a scenario where I would say I've had enough, but 
I just did. <laughs> that was enough. When someone taps out, first off, I imagine there's got to be some disappointment on their part. They built it up and, you know, they've, they're coming to you because they've had this fantasy or this, you know, or something, especially if it's someone who's going for the first time, right? How do you explain or do you, do you maybe talk about that beforehand or how do you, how do you, make sure that they know, okay, their expectations of themselves might not, you know, <laughs> that, that it's not your fault or, or it's not their fault. It's just that the reality is different from what they've been jerking off for 20 years. You know, there are so many answers to that Go. question. Right, right. <laughs> well, one, I mean, that's, that's part of that is why I tend not to invite many novices to play with me because the level that I like to play in the play at in with four to anywhere the squirrel can go um, is one of intensity. And I, I need you to know how to, how to communicate, to know what your limits are, to know, and, and, and to not have those kinds of like eyes are bigger than your stomach feelings about bondage to know what it is that you're really capable of and right. when enough is enough. Um, you know, in, in this particular case, it's someone that I've been playing with for a few years now. He only plays with me and which I only say not because that matters except for in a, we know each other yeah. well and have, and have the rhythm with each other. Um, so, so I, 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 in his case, I think that he was disappointed, but was able to put it in perspective. And, and for people who, you know, for people who do tap out and I understand why they're disappointed in themselves. And what I always try to explain is like, Hey, this isn't about expectations i don't set you know they always i wish i could have taken more for you mistress right. or something and it's like i'm not attached to outcomes at all ever um in fact part of what i'll also say to new people is um you know they'll say well, you know, like, what do you have planned for me what are you going to do and it's mm. like i don't even make I don't even try to get any preconceived ideas about what we're going to do once you show up, because who knows how you're going to come in? Like, what kind of energy are you going to have? If I say, if I had been thinking to myself, oh, I want to do like a really wild, like inverted suspension with single tail and so on. And you're, and you come in and you're like, you know, my, my back's kind of hurting and um, you know, can we do something kind of quiet? Cause I've just, just ha I just need to sort of just be in some bondage, yeah. and, you know? And then, so like, I don't want to have that. <laughs> I don't want the sad trombone trombone to play for me. Right. And so, so instead it's like, I want the person to come in and so that we can actually sit and, you know, how are you feeling? How am I feeling? Yeah. And let's, take something from there and that the point of us playing together is as much about having that connection with someone who gets this right. 
you know, and it's, and that's as important for me as it is for them. I mean, like I want to be with people who love this stuff as much as I do. Yeah. And so if, if you come in and all we do is just talk about gear and talk about bondage, I am super psyched. Yeah. Um, because, because these are extraordinary conversations. I yeah. mean, and that's, I think you have the same feeling. That's why you do the, that's why you've told me you do the Massacast too, is just to have these conversations about kink. And it's something that we don't get to talk about a lot um, with just anyone. So that's one thing that's really interesting too, is that the uh, early on in my kink exploration, it was a lot about the activity and you know, what was the thing that was done or whatever. And then it later evolved into the connection behind it. It's really weird. And I don't want, and I'm not saying this is all, excuse me, this is not all, this is, I don't think this is not all clients, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, there, and I think it's because a lot of it comes from, maybe it's not so much today, but there was a time when uh, places like online forums, like Max Fish and these types of places where the whole kind of point of it was to share written experiences. And by the way, I did this on my blog too, right? I mean, I did yes. this too, right? <laughs> um, but, but the whole point was, was to kind of express and talk about the activity and kind of share the activity with other, other clients or, or just other people who are yeah, interested, right? Just to run, tell that. <laughs> Right, right. And keep in mind, like I said, I blogged about activities a lot, right? Mm -hmm. However, I have met people at parties who were, their, all their experiences were as clients, and I'm not saying this is all clients, of course, where um, they really wanted to talk about experiences like, oh, yeah, I did blah, whatever. And, 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 and uh, sometimes there were people who had maybe had a session with Saad or something like that. And they were talking about, oh, yeah, this one time. And I was like, first, I do not want to hear. I don't want to hear that. Right? <laughs> what kind of an, you know, in what yeah. universe do you think I'd want to hear your experience playing with my wife? You know, right. what kind of an idiot are you? But also, um, I, I never had that experience, even when I wasn't in a monogamous. I never had that experience where I wanted to sit down with another guy and talk about the thing. And by the way, usually when they were talking, the, and I, this is why I think I, it's might, might not be your clientele just because of the type of people you play with. Um, I never wanted to just sit down and just like trade notes or whatever. And cause it, what I found was a lot of the time, these conversations, the person who were they with was sometimes not even mentioned, right? Right. Like the person they were with was secondary. It was the, it was the activity or whatever, you know. And then I got to lick those feet, man. Right. Oh. Yeah, I can't remember who. Uh, I can't remember if it, you know if it was. Yeah, but I just right. remember it was just. Oh, oh. These shoes, and then I had like yeah, shoes. I had like four feet on my face at right. the same time. I think someone was in the shoes too, but I can't remember. <laughs> but, um, but I, I think I, I mean that kind of comes from. I mean, I don't know if that that comes from a certain attitude towards the, because I know people who will go to, I mean, their whole, their goal is to see every single pro dom in town, mm -hmm. scratch, you know, check off the list, mm -hmm. 
which I'm not saying that's a, their experience is different or less, or, you know, that's mm-hmm. their experience. Um, but there came a point for me where I didn't, I, and especially when I got together, where I didn't want to blog about the, because it was a little too personal for some reason. Right. And does that make sense? Absolutely. Oh, you know, when I, when I first started, um, the boyfriend that I was with at the time, and I think I've, we've talked about this before, he said, okay, well, if you want to explore this stuff, that's fine, but you have to make art of it, like write about it or something. And so I started, when I very, very, very first started, I kept this blog under a totally different name and all, the whole thing. I probably had about six or seven posts, and I found that I could not write about this stuff in this kind of like detached way that dehumanized the right. people that I played with. I couldn't turn them into anecdotes right. or commodity. You know, right. they, they were not, they weren't for consumption and the experiences that we had were not for that kind of thing. Like I wanted to talk about this stuff in the way that it affected me and, and the way I felt about it. And I found more opportunity to do that ironically enough on max fish which is that place where people are so much like oh who has the best ass you know they they kind of like break women down into their body parts um but i some of like the best most thought-provoking discussions about bdsm for me happened with a handful of people on max fish that really just sort of helped me connect to it in a really emotional way and, and, and helped me really find that center for myself that wasn't transactional at all. Um, but that was a genuine exchange, you know, when, when I go into a session, I have as much hope and excitement and anticipation and need for what's about to happen as the person on the other side does. And we are here to like give each other these things. And it's in some ways it's become a real challenge for me as my practice has evolved and really sort of distilled and crystallized into that intention because part of me Yeah, like I want this too. I like I want it too. And I, I've I've had a couple of conversations recently, where you know talking with people about doing things that are my fantasies. And this is huge. Yeah. And you know because my job is to help people realize their fantasies, and I love that, and I think it's a tremendous gift that I'm able to give someone, and it's something that I can do from a place of generosity and trust um, that they recognize it as the gift that it is and that they are ready to receive it. Um, That's a tough, go ahead, sorry. And so, so, so every once in a while though, someone will come to me and, and, you know, or I'll just like sync up with somebody at the right moment. And it's just like, they have this thing that they want and, that is something that I have wanted to explore myself. And part of me really wants to do it. But it's a strange thing in that I would love to do it for free. 
but it is so risky for me to make that emotional investment only to have the person kind of go like, oh, you know, actually I can't do this. Or, oh, you know, my yeah. wife, you know, t- t- found some emails or right, like, right. or whatever it is where they, they are the ones who back out. Right. And so in some ways it's like, I have to put a premium on the fantasies that are actually mine. Right. Because... <laughs> because the uh, the uh, the op the chance of something not following through, <laughs> excuse it's me, heartbreaking. It's huge, and so you need to have so it, it's sort of a emotional uh, parachute. Yeah. Right. So you're like, well, listen, it didn't happen, but at least you know, at least I have, the, at least you know, I can, right? Yeah. You know, <laughs> well, pay the rent. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and 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 and. And that's that's kind of what it is. I mean, I've talked in the past about the idea of currency, and I'm and and this started once because I was years ago. I was in I was seeing a therapist, and and I was one of the things that I had trouble with was just sort of like because I've always been so independent, and I thought, well, what if I'm with someone who can provide for me, and in fact can provide for me better than I can for myself. Like, what, what, what do I have to give him? What do I have to offer? Like, what, what right. can I do? Yeah. And the therapist was the first one who said, who suggested to me, like, well, what you can do is this. What he can do is make a lot of money. And what you can do is provide a nice home. And both of those things have tremendous value. Right. It's just like what what you're just talking about different kinds of currency and money is not the only one. And I'm laughing because I've actually had I've had this conversation with Saad because, you know, I, I feel it's not that I feel like, oh, the man needs to make more it's not that at all, right? It's that she brings so much to the relationship on so many levels, you know? And there are many times when I'll ask myself, like, I'm, I, you know, I'm, she's really getting the raw end of this, you know, of this deal, you know? I'm totally, you know. I seriously doubt she sees it that Well, way. I know she's not thinking that, right? But, uh, but there are many times when I'm like, Jesus Christ, you know. This is, I, I definitely feel that, you know, I'm like, okay, I got to buy a lottery ticket because I got to, you know, I yeah, got to. But it's, but it's not. Right. It's, but I, but it's I'm saying is that I know what you, I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of, I, I know what you're yes. thinking when you feel that way. Right? Yeah. So, so I, so I had that. And then, so then there was that sort of like, okay, well, you know, and I've certainly had people over time, like sort of say, well, you know, oh, you're just doing this for the money or whatever. And it's just like, no, like I'm not, I'm not doing it for your submission because, you know, submission is something that's a currency that I have a lot of. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of people who are offering me their submission. Um, so, so that's not what it's for. Like what I want is that, you know, I, I want the connection and, and also what I have to give are things like, um, you know, I'm trustworthy and reliable and dependable and I'm skilled and I have a great space with more equipment than you can shake a wet noodle 40 tailed flogger at 
And so I have like a phenomenally equipped dungeon with um, like some of the highest quality gear from amazing purveyors. And, you know, but I'm also creative and I'm sincere and I love this and I'm smart. And so, yeah, so there's, there is that, there's that connection and there's that intimacy and there's that trust and there's that skill. And those are things that you can't actually buy from anybody. You cannot buy sincere enthusiasm from anyone. Um, You know, no matter how much you want to say like, well, you know, do you really like this? You're really into it? And you know, for every woman, it's just like, oh yeah, I love it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't love it. Yeah. Well, at least not for the same. You wouldn't be doing it for as long as you've been doing it. I wouldn't be doing it for as long as I'd be right. doing it. I wouldn't have invested so much of right. my own resources in, right. into it, into building it and maintaining yeah. it. And you know, and also I wouldn't be doing it at the expense of other things that are probably more lucrative, honestly, yeah. that I could be doing. Yeah. Um, I find this work fascinating and joyful and intense and pleasurable and exhausting yeah. <laughs> and draining, um, you know, and, and, and all of those things. I mean, it is a job for sure. Um, and there are times... Um, you know, when that balance gets off where I am giving so much and the other person on the other side is simply taking and not giving back, um, you know, and that's part of what tributes for it is to say like, okay, if you are unable to give back, here's how you can give back something that I actually, that's actually useful. Um, because goodness knows I don't need any more shoes. I, want I, have, right. <laughs> I have a friend who is a pro and she she doesn't play that much anymore in her personal life because whenever she played personally she found that she would not cross a line but she would take risks that she would never take with a client or she would um maybe push harder because just for whatever reason, just because she was doing the thing that she wanted to do. And so it was a lot more, I don't know what word animalistic, brutal. I don't know what word you want to use. An unfettered expression of her id or whatever. Right. (laughs) And, and so, um, cause she found that because she was getting paid there was a certain level of professionalism she felt she had to... Certainly. Right? And she found that this professionalism kept part of her in check. The part of her that, you know, maybe is dangerous or mm-hmm. I don't know, right? Sure. And so um, and so she found that this this exchange, it was sort of a, a sort of a social contract between her and the other person that, okay, I'm not going to completely fuck you up. I'm not going to, you know, they were basically... You will walk out with all your parts relatively right. intact. She felt that, that they, were, they weren't paying for her time or for the act. They were paying her... For to, her boundaries. Right, for her boundaries, right? For her to, you know... Um, I'm curious if... Do you feel that difference of when someone... In it, when it's a personal play, do you feel that difference of maybe a little bit more... I don't want to say scared, but maybe like 
you're on a wire or do you feel a difference in like, only okay, oh, you know, I have to watch what I do here or unfettered. I, I, I'm actually surprised to say this, but the answer is that it's probably for me the opposite that with my personal play partners, because here's the thing. I try to give my clients all my kink. You know, I, I really reserve the lion's share of my kink energy for them. Um, and, and I like it that way. So I have dated kinky in the past for, with people who are say in my kink wheelhouse, like people who really like bondage and corporal and edge play and things. And, and I've, I've found even though it was amazing, um, that it actually was sort of bad for my clients because because I didn't because when I was with my client I was distracted by thoughts of my lover Mm -hmm. and when I was with my lover there was a little bit of me that felt like I was at work right so um so I actually have preferred in my personal life to sure I do some kinky things but they're they're often not things that I do regularly as part of my practice. So yeah. So for, for work, it's actually where I unleash all of my kinky ideas and do all that crazy stuff because that's because also the people who are coming to see me, that's what they're into. That's what, you know, we both want all of that. Whereas the lover who might be just, I might have a lover who says like, oh, well, sure, honey, if you want to tie me up, that's cool or or, or something. Um, The enthusiasm is not. Yeah, they're just doing that for me, which no, I want somebody who's going to like there's a there's actually a a term for it that's called something like it's called like creative ladder or something where and that's that's where I thrive I thrive on the people who can come in and say hey you know I saw this video where they did this and I was thinking of we did this and then I go oh and if we did that then we could do this and put that on top of it and then we could do this and 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 next thing you know we are just like right 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 awesome sure I can totally I can get that yeah (laughs) and do you do you find do you ever have Situations where your personal play partners are like trying to compete with the, the <laughs> client, you know, because they're like, oh, they might see someone doing something, and you're like, oh, okay, I've got to try to one up this, or, or, or even for that, for that matter, do you see clients who have heard about other client experiences and they they want to one up? And do you ever get any of that competitiveness? I've heard of this happening for. Hey, you know, not really. I do see a few people who have a little bit of that vibe about them. Like they definitely see other doms and, um, and will sometimes like share pictures with me or want to show me pictures of stuff that they've done with other doms. And depending on the dom, sometimes I might like it. Sometimes I like to see what other women are doing just because, you know, I am always hungry for inspiration. I'm always hungry for new ideas. I've been doing this for a long time. You know, there are times that I feel like 
you know, there are times that I feel bad because for so long I prided myself on the fact that I've never done the same session twice. Mm -hmm. And now I'm kind of like, you know, certainly not with the same person. Um, and now I'm kind of hitting the space where it's like, well, do you want to do the bondage board again right. with the belt? Right. <laughs> like, so because we've been, you know, I've, some people I've been playing with for 10, 11 years now. And, and I've, I've felt very guilty about it. So it's like, I'm always looking for new ideas and new iterations or expressions of this stuff. And, so sometimes seeing what other people, other women do with this particular man's body can be interesting. Gear is always interesting to me. And I think it's also, I like being a little bit competitive and saying, okay, well, I see what she did there, but let me do it better. <laughs> um, so, so in that way I, I can be, but it's not with everyone. I mean, like a lot of, a, a lot of stuff that I look at, I just like, oh, that's, that's nice. I'm, I'm sure that was really fun for you. <laughs> I think now is a good time for a public service announcement. If you have kinky photos of yourself, ask the other person if they want to see the photos. Seriously. I've been in many situations where people will say, oh, yeah, so I, well, how was your week? Oh, good. Uh, went and Look saw at this, this dom or I went to this play party. Here, let me show you pictures of my balls. <laughs> you know? And, and you are in a situation where... I, I used to try to be just polite. Uh -huh. Maybe it's the Midwestern. I'm like, oh, sure. And then you look at the the camera, but you don't look at it. You look past it. And so you just <laughs> kind of nod your head, but you're kind of not really, you're, you're, not, you're staring past it. But there are people who, that's what FetLife's for, right? Mm -hmm. That's all it is. Put, put your naked foot well, on the right. Well, and because and, and, I was going to say, well, wait a second, because I feel a little bad now that, you know, I certainly post pictures of, I mean, I, I love taking pictures of my play. Right. But, and I put but, it on my Twitter. But it's different. But I would not actually hold up my phone to you and say, oh, well, look yes. at this cool shit because I did yesterday. Because if you're yesterday. on Twitter, first, if you're on Twitter, you can choose to click the link, right? Right. Or in my case, I've purposely hidden the thumbnails from my Twitter feed, right? Mm-hmm. Because I have... Friends yeah, who are doms will, you know, yeah. post photos of balls, you know, and so, uh, or just whatever. And so, and, and if I'm at work or something, it's much easier for me to just scroll through pictures of links. Mm -hmm. So I think it's fine. You shouldn't feel bad for posting photos on your blog. That's right. what people are going for, right? right. Or, and that's what people are going for, to, for Twitter. They're, they're following you for that. When you're walking up to someone and just look at these balls, um, so you come back from your sabbatical. Yes. You 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 do this self-imposed cleanse. Yes, I had a kink cleanse. Kink cleanse, and you come back, and what <clears throat> does it feel like when you're? I mean, and you're like back in the saddle again, or are you? You know, did it feel like was it riding a bike? Did you feel like you had a drink of water that you haven't had for a long time, or what was? You know, it, it was funny. It took me, it took me probably like a good five or six months to even feel like I had command of my own sexuality again, like to even feel open to people. Right. I, I don't quite know how else to really explain that. It took a while. And, you know, because like when, when I am working, like, so much of my sexual energy, interest, attraction, 
libido like it goes into work like it's not that it's not i'm not fucking at work Mm -hmm. but i have to be so present and so engaged and have that appetite when i'm in the studio that um that i don't really have a lot of you know like I've never been on, I don't even, I barely know how Tinder works. I know there's a swiping that happens. Um, But, you know, as far as like meeting new people or going out on dates or whatever, like that does not happen when I'm working Mm -hmm. because all of that curiosity and interest and desire to get to know someone goes into my work. Yeah. Um, And that, I mean, that's, it's emotionally draining enough and stressful enough to do it on your personal life. Well, and, and it's there's a lot of energy that goes into your professional life, right? Having to do mm-hmm. it on two fronts. Yeah, it's too much. So, so it's I mean it's a it's a it's a fascinating thing, and only something that I was really able to sort of observe and understand once I took a break and stepped away from it. And so when I returned. It was really nice because I, I I just started back slowly. I mean, I kind of announced it, but I didn't really, you know, dive in too hard. I just sort of like waded slowly into the water and and acclimated a lot. And sometimes like, oh, I'm too cold. <laughs> so I, I would say it probably took me a good six months before, you know, like, I think I announced that I was quote unquote back in maybe September, October of 2014, but I didn't really start working again for real, for real until maybe May, if yeah, May, April, May, somewhere around there. Um, And, you know, but what I love is that, I felt renewed with more curiosity. I felt genuinely excited about possibilities and, um, and everything old is new again. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was, it was really, it was thrilling and and it was, it was really exciting just to be able to kind of like dig in deep and do it again. Did you ever, feel a because I know there there are certainly negative aspects to doing it professionally whether it, I mean most of it has to do with dealing with flaky people or you know what I mean or just dealing with weird you know, emails or whatever how do you how do you did, did you ever second guess yourself like you're, you when you when you came back you're like you got some email for some, you know, just some weirdo or whatever. And you were like, Oh shit, what did I do? Or did that happen? Or are you like, <laughs> well, to, to truthfully, I don't have, you know, I don't have a lot of issue with like flaky people or wankers or time wasters or weirdos or things like that. Like I don't, I, I hear some other doms like tell these horror stories or they'll, you know, or read their Twitter feed or they're just bitching like, Oh my God, they came up hot you, you know, whatever. Right. And that's not really my experience. I, I have been extraordinarily fortunate in that, that, that for the most part, the people who seek me out, 
you know, this is important to them and they want what I want. And so, and so we're both so happy to find each other that we are really trying to be as polite sure. and respectful right, right. <laughs> to, to make sure that we get it. Before we go, uh-huh. I have to ask, you've got a new space. Cause this is, I think this is, this is actually something that would help people who don't have a, a dedicated, you know, play space. Uh-huh. Uh, or, or if they do, it's their, it's a back corner in the basement or something. Um, when you're setting up, uh, I mean, you're setting up a long-term play space. So you're thinking, uh, you know, a lot more than someone who's just setting up their bedroom for a night. Mm-hmm. So what are you thinking? What, how, what is your intent when you're setting something up like that? When you're putting together a play space, how do you even go about mapping it out is there a philosophy you have behind it i mean i haven't even seen it yet but we're gonna see it soon it's gorgeous but what do you like what is you what is you what what's your mentality when you're setting something up like that how do you go well i remember when i set up the first salon d'orines and and i may have even talked about this with you that you know when i had a metal bound build me the suspension rake for mm-hmm. it and he showed me the first like he, he actually showed showed his I won't say a rough draft because it's basically the thing, yeah. um, the suspension rig itself. And he sent me a picture of it and I was just like, mm, that's a little industrial yeah. and a little hard. And he's like, it's a dungeon, Troy. And I said, no, it's a salon. It's a studio. I want people to feel comfortable and welcome, but just yeah. like, you know, and, and it actually turned out to be a great piece because for all of the, intimacy and softness and 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 comfort comfort's not even the right word but just accessibility that the space provided you did have this very imposing piece in the middle that reminded you what you were really there for yeah um and so i actually worked with an interior designer um a professional interior designer jesus to um you know, for this new space to, because what I wanted was, was something actually quite similar, but I really wanted it to feel like a lounge where really kinky things happen yeah. as opposed to a dungeon where, yeah, you know, warm things happen. Well, like, are you setting art? But I, I imagine you're also, when you're setting something up, you're looking strategically, you're saying, okay, these toys have to go over here because it's going to be ease of access here. Or do not, do you? Oh, no, I totally think about okay. that. No, absolutely. Like one of the things that I have now is I have, I call it my dungeon in a box, but really it's just a, it's a, from the container store. It's one of those alpha carts. Right, right. And it is all of your sort of like core play pieces. Yeah. So your leather cuffs and, and uh, fist mitts and things like, you know, like your, all your leather, like wrist and ankle bondage. Uh, is in one basket. All your backyard toys are in another basket. Your electrics, nipple toys, um, CBT toys. You know, you've got them all. Yeah, yeah, all all of that stuff is in this one rolling cart. So no, no matter because the space is actually a little bit bigger than my previous space. So no matter where you are in the room, you just roll this cart with you until you have everything sort of like a grabbable space. Yeah. I also wanted to like I have this amazing collection of gear from some of the best purveyors in the world. Yeah. So I have things from Fetters, from Mr. S, from S and M Factory, from um, 
uh, kink engineering from, oh, who are those wonderful polymorph latex, um, and from steelworks, which is incredible. Um, uh, Church of Sinvention, like all of these beautiful, amazing community-based um, kink artisans. And so I wanted to be able to show all that stuff off. And like before I had everything kind of like in, you know, covered and closed up and so on. So you couldn't really see it. But now I actually have it in like beautiful display cabinets. So there's well, like lots of glass and you can just see everything. And I can't wait to see it because, uh, you know, we have, by the way, What's his name? Uh, who made your suspension set? Metalbound. Metalbound. Corey. Mm-hmm. We have a. I have a a, a page bookmarked. Uh, there's a <laughs> bed he makes that is like. It's it's amazing. Uh-huh. It's amazing, and it's like that's the second thing I buy when I win the lottery. Is this bed? Everybody, we can't have to wait. We can't make X wait until he wins the lottery. Please donate no, to the Massacast so he can get a bed. Never gonna happen. But oh, come on! The uh, the, uh, the the first thing I buy when I win the lottery is a box to put all my shit on my desk. The second <laughs> thing I buy is this bed. This thing is amazing, and it's just like. Just go to the website. You'll see. You'll see. I mean, there are some really he elaborate. Some ones. He made the bed that I have in my home. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's... I think they think that's the same bed that I'm... I'm pretty sure it's the same one. The branch bed? Mine is... It's, it's the branches. Oh, you use the branch one? Okay. Mm-hmm. No, that's not that one then. Yeah. But I mean, it's, just the, it's just the steel... Four-poster? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great one. So you can do, like, suspension in the middle, and yeah. it's just like... Yeah, mine is more... It's... I mean, I, I designed that bed. Did you win the lottery? No, I... No, oh, okay. I did not win the lottery. Right. I just... I... Like for all of the things that are really worth having, I saved and he's invested have, in it. And he's going to have like, financing, or you know, promise you right testicle when you die for science or something. <laughs> um, well, we're looking forward to seeing the new space. I'm looking forward to showing it to you and Th- you and you and you and you and you. Thank you for coming <laughs> over, and I'm so glad we finally. This is a pleasure. I I really I I miss being here, and I'm so glad to to do this again. It's so much fun. Thank you, Troy. You can uh, find all of our info on the Massacast website, massacast.com. And I hope you have a good couple weeks. We'll talk to you hopefully sooner rather than later. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.